Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Bright and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, June 8th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speed Spit Statistician. And as always, I have the honor of being joined by FSWA Hall of Famer, the King, Scott Angle. Hey, Scotty, it is a Friday. It's the freaking weekend, baby. I'm about to have me some fun. How are you feeling, Scott? Feeling pretty good. Uh, getting ready for some Subway Series action tonight at uh, City Field. Yeah, absolutely. The Subway Series is upon us. And, and and listen, Scott, you know, we always kind of make jokes about me being a Yankees homer and you being a Mets homer and things like that. We talk about the Mets and the Yankees a lot. But these are teams, you know, Scott, going in two different directions. I mean, since the Mets' hot start at 11-1, and it seems like the wheels have fallen off. You know, they've had some injuries. That offense cannot seem to score runs, despite the fact that they're getting, you know, great starting pitching. The Yankees, meanwhile, seem to be very hot, moving right along, an offensive kind of juggernaut. But here in the city... Scott, there's a lot of reports, you know, kind of the cover of the Daily News and stuff like that, that, you know, if the Mets, you know, are not, you know, they really fall out of it. We talk about these kind of teams at the trade deadline. There's reports out here that the Mets may consider flipping people, even like Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, to try to restock their farm system. Scott, I got to tell you the truth. To me, that would be counterproductive. Anybody you're trying to get, you know, as a prospect – you could only hope and wish that they would realize the potential of someone like DeGrom or Syndergaard. Do you, what do you think about these guys potentially being on the market? I wonder whether these kind of stories are more of a media creation or suggestion right. than what's actually going to happen. Uh, mm. I could be wrong on that. And look, this is a national show, but uh, this, is still, this is still a big story regardless. And Joel Sherman wrote a very good column in the New York Post this morning about it, is about how the Yankees, uh, you know, had to had to flip Chapman, et cetera, right. two years ago to get prospects. And if the Mets are going to look to the future, they have to demand something high. So if there was to be a Subway Series trade, that the Yankees would have to pay dearly for. You know, you're not going to get, like, like people are not going to call WFAN and say, okay, give them Greg Bird and, right. and uh, you know, Brett Gardner. Justice and, Sheffield. Uh, and Justice Sheffield, you right. know, for Syndergaard and DeGrom. You know, it's sure. going to have to start with Glaber Torres and Andahar and maybe both. Because you know, right, you're talking right. about, you talk about Jake DeGrom. Jacob, Jacob DeGrom might be the very best pitcher in the National League right now, and at some point, mm-hmm. Syndergaard figures maybe yeah. to you know to challenge him for that. So you're talking about 
two frontline starters. And if the Mets aren't going to ten, contend now, and they have some older pieces, like Sherman says, uh, you know, why not restock the system? But you know, this this kind of scares people in National League only fantasy leagues because yeah, if you have the Grammer Syndergaard <laughs> and you lose the player to the other, if he if he gets traded out of the universe, this right. is something that you definitely don't want to see. No, absolutely. I remember, uh, Scott, remember we were talking about like Max Scherzer and his dominance earlier in the in the week. And I was saying, listen, you know, he's really competing against Jacob deGrom, in my opinion, for a kind of NL Cy Young and all-star start and that sort of thing. Um, you know, when you say <clears throat> anybody who listens to this show knows how much I love the Yankees, knows how much I love Glaber Torres and my guy Miguel Andujar. But if you tell me I would have to give those guys up, it would give me cause for pause. I was hoping that, listen, not for both of them, but for one of them, you know, the idea of maybe Andujar plus Clint Frazier plus a, a, a I told you, I'm happy to move Dylan Batantis, you know, right now, along with maybe one of their other kind of starter prospects, a kid like Chance Adams or something like that. I don't see um, why, the, why the Mets would want any of those third players. No? You no. don't think they would want uh, a Clint Frazier? You don't think they would no, want No, you mentioned him as the second player. Oh, okay. So I'm talking yeah. about Andujar, Frazier, and then, you know, I would give. I would give. You don't think there's a market for Bet- Dylan Batantis anymore, Scott? I don't think they want Batantis. Batantis has really fallen off. Talk about uh, how shoddy not, Familia's not, been not, lately. Not, not not dependable. It's it's not about comparing him to Familia. They already have a guy like that in Familia. It's not about comparing him to Familia. Why would they be interested? And I I don't I don't see why. Yeah, because he's still a young power arm, and we've said it before, Scott. Everyone always thinks that, like, they can fix someone if they are struggling. Listen. Yeah, but when, I, you're, giving up, when you're giving up a front-line starter, you're not looking to get a fixable guy. Sure. I'm talking about yeah. him as a third or fourth piece along with a potential I don't, I don't AL think Rookie they of the want, Year and I don't a high-priced blue ship prospect. I don't, I don't think that they would want him as, as, as a third piece. All right, fair. You know that's that's absolutely. I, w- I would say I would say like a like an Andahar or a Torres, right? They, they would uh, probably lead Clint Frazier, Torres, a right. Clint Frazier, and another maybe like high prospect, say like a Double A or something like that, like a Chance Adams, like a Justice Sheffield, possibly. Those are those are legit prospects. You know what I mean, yeah. Scott? I mean the, that's why the, I said the, possibly. Yeah. Okay. I mean the Yankees do have um, a deep farm system, so it is interesting. But to your other point, let's take this I away from. I don't. I don't think it would. Be, uh, Torres is playing short for them, so you know, the Mets already have Rosario. Rosario. You know, ticketed it short, so sure. that that could play that could play into it as well. But it's mm-hmm. you know the 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 market out there for starting pitching is kind of. Uh, Kind of thin, you know, yeah. Absolutely. Look at Cole Hamels who got battered last night. He's mm-hmm. one of the t- he's one of the top guys out there. Danny right. Duffy's one of the prime guys out there. So right. we you talked know. about guys like J. A. Happ, Tyson Ross potentially. It's not you know, but then you add someone like a Degrom or a Syndergaard into the mix. Now you're cooking with gas. I've always said I don't need any of these guys because I thought Sonny Gray could be one of these guys. But if you give me someone who I can put ahead of Masahiro Tanaka and start Game Two of a playoff series. Now we're talking, Scott. Well, look, let's say if it was in, in a, a fantasy world, not a fantasy yeah. baseball world, if it was to happen, yeah. you know, DeGrom is the better pitcher right now, but I think I think Syndergaard would actually, like, you know, he's that kind of guy that, you know, enjoys oh, yeah. the spotlight more, a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, would, would, would probably, like, fit from an intangible perspective 
a mm. little bit better in the, in the Bronx. DeGrom is very businesslike, right. goes about his business, but I think Yankee fans would probably embrace a Syndergaard more if it was, it was to happen. And, you know, that kind of dovetails into, like, you got to look at where you are right now mm-hmm. in a fantasy baseball league, and should you be making a blockbuster deal right. to ensure – to ensure, you know, what, what you want to do. Now, right now, at the beginning of June, I really don't t- t- uh, really don't start looking at the standings f- regularly until late May. And by June, I think you start getting a good barometer of where you are. In the Greenwich Street Tavern League, I've fallen to six points out of first place. Now, I can easily make that up in one week. I've made up 23.5 points in one week. But I'm starting to think that I need to make a trade or that I haven't Looked at my, I've looked at my roster all year long, and I say I don't want to screw with it. But right now, my closers are Bud Norris and Ken Giles, and Giles is just not getting enough saves for me. I feel like I want to make a trade for another closer. Right mm-hmm. now, there are certain guys that are starting to cool off for me. Uh, you know, Michael Conforto's not helping me right now. You know, can I can I sell low on him maybe? And is somebody interested maybe to buy low on him? So I'm starting to think about trades. If I start getting a nine, ten points out, I'm probably going to make a deal. Okay, uh, fair enough. You talk about this idea of uh, you know who's a better fit for one team or another, and you also talked about Noah Syndergaard kind of being more out there uh, with that personality, more out there in front, and that brings us, Scott, to today's poll question. We had our first upset in our face of baseball bracket where Justin Verlander took out Shoni Otani in the always interesting 5-12 matchup. Today, you know, it's interesting. We have a matchup of a Subway Series with the Subway Series starting. The two-seed Aaron Judge all rise against the number 15 seed for now, still with the Mets, Noah Syndergaard. If you want to make your voice heard here on the show, go Thor. ahead and vote. Yeah, for Thor if you want, okay, at Spittin' Speeds, at Scotty RotoX, at Roto Experts. Let us know who you think is more of the face of baseball in that one. Scott, let me ask you something because I don't want this to sound just like a New York thing, right? Let's talk about this. Let's say you do own, however, DeGrom or Syndergaard. And like you said, this could be scary, right? Let's say you're in an NL-only league and you lose them out of the player universe. Would you ever try to get ahead of the game and offer to move one of those guys for something like 85, 90 cents on the dollar? Would you ever, like, for example, I'm trying to figure, um, would you go ahead and offer, you know, a guy like DeGrom, you know, and try and get back... Oh, I don't know, like a, a Patrick Corbin, for example. You know, that someone who is still doing really well, but that you have more faith will stay kind of in the National League. Would you offer a DeGrom for a Miles Mikolas, who had another great game lowering his ERA to 227, you know, or, or, or someone, something like that, you know, like a Michael Walker, someone who's pitching well, but that you have faith stays in the National League, a Fulton Nevich, something like that. I, take it pitcher by pitcher. You know, Michaelis is the one that intrigues me. Corbin, you know, there's been some velocity issues, etc. So mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't do it. But I, I would entertain offers like that. Uh, you know, I, I would probably say if I could get Sean Newcomb for, De, for DeGrom, I'd strongly consider it because I really believe in Sean Newcomb, even though there's going to be a little bit of regression there. I want a guy that's – because I ultimately don't think that – Either the Grom or Syndergaard are going to get traded, so I can't. I can't dip too far down to a Patrick Corbin. 
Okay. You know, fair enough. No, and I hear you on a case-by-case basis, but I guess I'm talking generally speaking, the idea of entertaining that if you fear that you may lose the player in the player universe. But ultimately, it sounds like, Scott, you don't necessarily think that's going to happen. Scott, I wanted to ask you about the St. Louis Cardinals. They get a W. We talk about Miles Mikolas. Listen, seven shutout innings. He strikes out five, lowers his ERA to 2.27. You mentioned you had Bud Norris before. He gets his 12th save of the season for St. Louis, but listen, this kid Nicholas is an incredibly happy, pleasant surprise for people who drafted him, right, Scott? Yeah, Miles Mikolas, uh, Miles Michaelis, uh, excuse me, actually, actually went over to Japan, and I don't know what he found there, but you know, when we were talking to Rusty <laughs> Ryle, though, of he, youth. <laughs> actually, when we were talking to Rusty Ryle, though, it's, uh, you know, who played over in Japan, the former Diamondback, when we had him on the show two weeks ago. He says, you know, you got to use a different pitch mix over there in Japan. And right now he's only striking out 6.58 per nine. But uh, when you look at his ex-FIP, it's 341, and the strand rate is 79.3. So there's a lot of belief that he's still going to be solid. So, yeah, if I'm tra- trading to DeGrom, uh, you know, this is somebody I'm looking at. But you look at the look at his, at his pitch mix in 2014, he was heavy fastball, slider, and now he's uh, he's he's throwing the fastball 14% less of the time, the slider 8% more of the time, the curveball 9% more of the time, and the changeup a little bit less. So he changed his pitch mix when he went over to Japan, and it, hitters really uh, haven't been able to get a handle on it. No, absolutely. You know, you did mention that how they have to kind of pitch differently over there, and he's kind of applying his trade a little bit different. You know, he's not the first player, Scott, that has kind of gone over there and either humbled themselves or adjusted their game. I remember last year, at the start of last year, wasn't it um, maybe Marcus Timms or Thames or whatever who was going you know, who was hitting home runs left and right from Milwaukee early in the season. And he also talked about kind of some of his takeaways. Oh, Eric, Eric from, Thames. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, Eric Thames, yeah. That, yeah. Um, you know, had some takeaways from his time playing out there in, um, in the Far East as well. So that's pretty interesting. You know, Scott, you know, we talked, this is the time we're going to hear a lot of trade rumors, you know, this, I, this buzz about DeGrom and Syndergaard possibly being out there. We already talked about, um, you know, John Jay moving from Kansas City to Arizona earlier this week. Another team that we have to assume is going to be making moves is the Miami Marlins, right? We all know that there's a fire Always. sale going on over there, right? One the fire guy, sale is done. <laughs> I don't know. Done. I think I think the fire sale is kind of like in progress, Scott, you know, because No, they got rid of all their big their biggest names already. There's so only... that's what I was gonna ask. Yeah. I think JT Real Muto though still has a it can still oh, be yeah. a piece that can help a contending team. So that's why I would say, Scott, that I don't think it's necessarily done. I think JT Real Muto will certainly be moved, and I think he can definitely help a contender. What are we thinking about this trade market? First of all, let me ask you something. Do you agree like he is a piece that has value and will be moved in the next, uh, what are we talking about, six or seven weeks at this point? And if so, what are the kinds of teams that could, uh, contenders that could use a catcher? I'm hearing the Houston Astros checked in on JT Real Muto recently. Yeah, I think the Nationals uh, mm. certainly can can use a guy like that. Uh, I don't think the Do you Dodgers, agree that, that he because, will get you know, moved at like the fire sale is? Continuing to I go believe, on? I believe. He's the last piece left in the fire sale. 
The fire sale is pretty much over. He's almost he over. The last last remaining piece. <laughs> Close. Yeah. Right, right. Last. Call I don't know if I would call Brad bar. Brad Ziegler and Justin Justin Bohr fire sale pieces. When right. you talk about a fire sale, look at the guys they got rid of. You know, yeah. Stanton, Asuna, Yelich. You know, sure. guys like that. Uh, you know, Real Muto is the only significant name remaining on that roster, really, at all. Uh, you know, as much as I respect Boar's a power hitter, just not in the, the league with those other guys. But, sure. But, you know, Real Muto is a big piece. Uh, one of the better catchers in the National League. And this is another guy that, fantasy-wise, you're worrying about does he get traded leagues. out of your NL-only NL player universe. Uh, I, think, I think maybe maybe even the Red Sox are a team hmm. that can look at Real Muto, too, because I think it would definitely improve – yeah. Uh, certainly, certainly on what they have right now. I know the Indians have a prospect in their system, uh, but uh, to get real Muto and maybe you know trade that prospect away, you know maybe that maybe that's something they could do. So I think I think Cleveland is another team that you look at. I don't think the Cubs are necessarily a team that right. would maybe 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 even the Milwaukee Brewers. That's interesting as well. Let me ask yeah. you this though, Scott. Um, I would say unlike any other position, though, right, a catcher moving teams midseason, is there anything to, like, having to learn a whole new pitching staff? You know, like, offensively, that's one thing. We talk about switching leagues and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. But to be a catcher and to then midseason have to learn, let's say Real Muto goes to the Indians. You know, I'm just, you know. Case in point, right? To have to learn Kluber, Carrasco, Clevenger, Bauer, stuff like that, does, couldn't that create kind of a challenge in terms of like upsetting the 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 flow, the karma of a pitching staff on a contending team? Do you buy that? Isn't it hard to like learn a new pitching staff and their tendencies? Yeah, but you know, that's I don't think players think like we do necessarily, right. and uh, you know, he's. He's just going to have to learn another job quickly. This sure. is a professional. You, you get paid a lot of money for things like that. And Corey Kluber is going to going to get get it done. You know, no matter who's back there. You know, I don't sure. I, I don't care if Chris Pavone is back there. Corey Kluber's <laughs> pitch pitching a good game. You know, those are good pitchers. Period. Now, look. Sometimes pitchers are more comfortable. I think it's not so much a scouting report. Maybe sometimes the personality. Sometimes pitchers clash. With uh, with catchers, you know, I heard that about Mikel Montero in the past. You know mm-hmm. that, that some pitchers just didn't like him, et cetera. But uh, look, you, what you get with the bat and what you get overall with Real Muto is worth it. It's not going to be a perfect situation, mm-hmm. but you know that that guy will probably be locked in by August, knowing his pitching staff. So I think I think it's maybe creating you know uh, too much of a mushroom cloud out of nothing. All right, fair enough. And we know yeah. our guy Chris Bavona, the manimal, absolutely gets it done. He calls a great game. Scott, I'm talking like hard up and in and soft down and away. Boy, does he know how to call a game, Chris Bavona. He'll also take good care of you if you want to call the show and join in on the fun here on Roto Experts in the morning. The number to call is 844-843-6879. I hear you, Scott. I was just thinking about balancing the potential impact offensively with the potential risk of um, the pitching staff i say potential on both sides things to consider hey scott there'll be yes. a transition period but it's not right. like you know in august you know uh that makes that, sense you know, the team's not going to fall apart because of it right 
Fair enough. That makes sense. And you mentioned you got a couple of months before a contending team, you know, really has their high stakes, you know, potential chase for seeding and the playoffs and things of that nature. So that makes sense. Scott, yesterday we talked about, uh, you know, my guy, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., how he left the game with a leg injury. You said you didn't know how, how um, major it was. Well, they did, in fact, put Vlad Guerrero Jr. on the DL in the minor leagues. Also, we talk about another stud, um, Carlos Correa, you know, had an MRI on his side as well. He's saying there's no damage. It looks like he was out of the lineup. He's day-to-day. Pisses me off because I have shares of Correa left and right on my squad. But um, what other kind of bumps and bruises happened, Scott, um, you know, either last night or people expecting to return. I'm hearing a lot about Zach Britton potentially coming back very, very soon. Um, besides Correa, Vlad, what else? Uh, who else got nicked up in your uh, that you saw yesterday? Yeah, Mookie Betts is not going to be back this weekend. Jonas Cespedes was not going to be back this weekend. Uh, mm. Both of them could be back by early next week. And uh, J.D. Martinez left last night's game with back tightness. That is something definitely can keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. If this team doesn't have Betts or J.D. Martinez for a stretch, you know, it could impact it's them. It's not going to be for to... an extended period. Sure. The Guerrero, Guerrero thing, he's expected to come off the DL when he's first eligible. When he's eligible. Okay. So we definitely yeah. want to keep our eye on some of these things. Scott, anything really um, kind of uh, make you stand up and take notice out of the games yesterday? You know, I mentioned already Mikolas and, and, and St. Louis. That's really what kind of – I saw big yesterday. You know, what about things like Eddie Rosario having a great game, his 14th homer of the season? Rizzo also went yard. Anybody, any performances stand out to you offensively uh, yesterday from around the majors? Well, it's nothing new from Rosario at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's having a career year right now. Uh, Leonis Martin with a home, home run and a triple last night. Uh, this guy was a really nice pick for for uh, late for steals, but actually he's been hitting for some pop. Jock Peterson with a pair of home runs last night. Uh, you're not going to get much average, but as long as he continues to play regularly, there will be power for him. Cody Bellinger's helmet for the third straight day. Looks like he's not going to the minors uh, whatsoever. doesn't look like that, that is going to happen uh, at all, even though that was a recent rumor. Also, uh, you know, uh, Justin Bohr last night with three for four with an RBI. You know we talked royal treatment. We talked we, we talked something about about the Marlins and you know Bohr is a guy that could be on the move too. You mm-hmm. know, but uh, Brad Ziegler, I think the trade market has kind of calmed down for him. So you know, Bohr's maybe another name to keep in mind that could possibly be traded out of your player universe. Uh, Scott Shebler for three for six last night. This is a guy who's on the cover of Roto Experts right now, and I know he's available in a lot of leagues. Denard Span went yard again last night. If you want to, if you want to get a nice plug-in for you, for your outfield, Denard Span is quietly having a very very good year. Heimer Candelario came back last night and uh, and played well. Uh, that guy has uh, certainly uh, been uh, been a nice revelation. Went like the reserve rounds in in a lot of drafts uh, from. From a pitching perspective, Jose Berrios, uh, another strong start, nine uh, complete game, two two uh, two earned runs and ten strikeouts. He's starting to get into a groove. Paul Blackburn last night comes back, six innings pitch, and uh, only only two earned runs. This guy is uh, probably somebody you should look 
uh, look at picking up. David Hess uh, with another good start for the Orioles, but he got to be careful streaming against the Red Sox next week. Mm-hmm. Matthew Boyd held the Red Sox to two runs. That was very impressive. Boyd has been a little bit up and down at the peripherals point to some regression. But overall, Boyd has pitched pretty darn well, I think. I think uh, Nick Pavetta with five innings pitch, four earned runs, he's starting to slow up a little bit. All right, there you go. That's uh, the King, Scotty Angles, tour around Major League Baseball. Um, in a couple minutes, we're going to take our first break here on Roto Experts in the morning. When we come back, listen, Scott has had time with the Baltimore Orioles all week. We've been playing some interviews that Scott did when the Orioles were in town. I mean, we talked to Manny Machado. We talked to Brad Brock. We will catch up and spend a couple minutes with Trey Mancini. Uh, Scott Angle interviewed Trey Mancini. We'll hear a little bit of that. We'll get you ready for DFS on a Friday. And we'll also highlight a couple of people you may want to try to pick up on the waiver wire. Scott mentioned, you know, Denard Spann having a kind of career year. We have some other takes for you as well. We'll do that after the break. Scott, real quick, though, I wanted to get your take on something that uh, I asked Jake about the NBA Finals. Um, I want to think... Because you know this, only the Super Bowl MVP, I think, only once has been on a losing team. Is that correct, right? I think a Cowboy yeah. had it in the, mm-hmm. in the 70s or something like that. You know, yeah. in, in game, games one and two, it was like all Steph Curry. Game three, Kevin Durant goes crazy. Maybe they cut, you know, split the vote a little bit. Can you right. see LeBron James being the finals MVP even if Golden State dominates? I mean, what LeBron is doing is absolutely ridiculous. What do you think about that, Scott? Is it possible for LeBron? I thought he could. And Jake said, no, no way. It'll never happen. They'll, give it to a, they'll find a way to give it to a warrior. You think it's possible LeBron could win MVP of this final series? I don't think so, especially if not if they get swept out or lose in five games because – your most valuable player is the team that you can't win without. You know, you right. take and LeBron you can get swept out of my guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you take LeBron off the Cavs, they can still get swept out of losing five games. Maybe he's the playoff MVP because they don't get to the finals without him, and he's done a tremendous job getting him there. But to me, the MVP always has to be on a winning team. Yeah, no, I hear that. That makes sense. But, you know, we talked about this when Alex Rodriguez wins an MVP for the Texas Rangers who win, like, you know, 65 or 70 games. I didn't agree with it. It's always an interesting question. When we come back, we get into DFS baseball, little Trey Mancini, and we look at some waiver guys that may help your fantasy team. We're off and running here. It's Roto Experts in the morning, the king and the spitting statistician. We'll be right back. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Steiner Sports is the leading memorabilia provider for the New York Yankees, Rangers, Giants, Knicks, and the Brooklyn Nets. Featuring hundreds of items from your favorite athletes, Steiner Sports is your source for the best sports gifts. Go to SteinerSports.com slash box and shop our collection of memorabilia boxes, which include 10 gifts for the price of one. We've made one for each of your favorite teams. Hurry, supplies are limited, and these are some of the best deals we have ever offered. So go to SteinerSports.com slash box today. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt. After I left baseball, I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone. 
and that could make it harder to get into shape. So I got back into the game with Nugenics. I'm feeling stronger with a lot more energy and drive. You want to get back into shape? Get Nugenics. All you have to do is send one simple text. Frank's right. Just text YOUTH to 321321 to get a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenic samples are not available in stores. To get your complimentary bottle, text YOUTH to 321321. That's Y-O-U-T-H to 321321. Hi, I'm Heath Urban. I believe every child is entitled to a complete and inspiring education. Music education programs in our schools help kids learn, socialize, gain confidence, and stay in school. They need your help to survive. Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation gives school music programs the instruments they need to make this opportunity available to every student who wants to play. With your help, we can keep music alive in our schools and give all kids the education they deserve. Visit mhopus.org now to find out how you can help. Fantasy. Greg, you're getting called out a little bit in the chat. Okay, for what? Because you were wearing a Canadian tuxedo. What? That's like a all denim toes. Yes, technically, to... you are right. Like you're wearing blue jeans. Yeah, yeah you're, you're wearing... all denimed out, kid. Yeah. If you wear the denim shirt, you can't wear jeans. I'm saying, you got yeah, yeah, khakis or something. It's like my only denim shirt. Like, uh... confused. I should wear black jeans. I should have. All right, yeah, Canadian tuxedo. I'm googling it now. Here you go, Greg. Should have worn black. I'm sorry. Apparently, you look like this guy. Yeah, that's pretty he's, good. He's wearing a lot of denim. He's pretty good. Weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern on FTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The King Scott Engel has made the hot tag. Into the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, who joins us now as we slide into a weekend. Jake, I don't know, man. I feel like summertime is going. People are turning the page. The NHL and the NBA crowning their champions. The third jewel of the Triple Crown. It feels like summer. People are excited walking around the streets. Do you share the excitement? Are you as excited as Tim Tebow at a Jets press conference, Jake? For what? I don't know. Summer. Happiness. Summer's been here. I don't know. What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, what do people just wake it up today? Yeah, I mean, I feel it's bright. I see people walking around in shorts, sundresses for women. It makes me. It's it's a nice thing. It's it's been summer. All right, fine. You know, Jake continues. If nothing else, Jake is consistent. Jake is consistent with his approach, and I like that about you, Jake. I respect that. Um, You know who. Uh, I don't necessarily respect if he's using the performance-enhancing drugs, and that's Julian Edelman. You know, we're getting reports out yesterday that Edelman is going to be uh, facing a four-game suspension. You know, he's not the first. We've heard about Mark Ingram as well and others. Julian Edelman, I guess my question for you is, what is the impact on this Patriots offense? You know, we talk about the Patriots and how they kind of keep on humming regardless of what happens as long as Brady and Belichick is there, how they can lose coordinators, they can lose wide receivers, they can lose a guy like Dion. Lewis um, at some point you know doesn't it have to actually impact them like who scares you outside of Gronk if they lose Edelman on that offense what do you think is the impact of this Jake 
No, there's no, there's already value here to begin with. You know, the sad thing is, is this destroys the value we had because the value was the fact that Chris Hogan deserved to be going earlier than the seventh round. Chris Hogan, people forget. It's like, this is why fantasy football can be great for people who know what they're doing because people automatically forget or so quickly forget that he was a wide receiver one before he got hurt. He was among the tops in the league. He had three straight games with, what was it, 100 yards and a touchdown yep. or whatever it was. Like yep. He was dominating the league last year, and everything that people were hoping, oh, Chris Hogan was going to come to the Patriots and have a great value, and Tom Brady was going to get the most out of him because this is what the Patriots do, and nobody's been able to do anything with Chris Hogan, but the Jets, the Patriots will. The Patriots will do And they did, and now everybody forgot about it. Everybody just forgets that that's what Chris Hogan was doing. So Chris Hogan was already coming out of value. Everybody missed the Jordan Matthews signing. Just wasn't even paying attention right. that day. People forgot that even happened. And Jordan Matthews, granted, hasn't hit his ceiling, and granted, hasn't done much since his rookie season where he caught those touchdowns, and even a little bit more so the year after that. But since those two years, he really hasn't progressed at all. But if you look at a team again that gets that, oh, I forgot about that guy, or oh, that guy hasn't been that good, they finally got the best out of him, Jordan Matthews was going to look to be intriguing out of that hybrid slot with and without Edelman, like depending on where they were lining up. And in any case, he could have been their number three. Now, both their values are going out the window, though, because Edelman is out for the first four games. Now, Hogan isn't a seventh, eighth round value. So he's going to get pulled up into the fifth, and actually, possibly even the fourth. Jordan Matthews is going to go from being free to probably ending up in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. So the fact is, is that's what's going to happen, is the people who are being undervalued are that we're, we're basically saving people from themselves, unfortunately. <laughs> No, I hear you. You know, when we talk about like the term sleeper, right, you know, the, the, it's so funny, you know, in the leagues that I'm in, when I see all this kind of like basic fantasy analysis and they talk about guys that are quote unquote sleepers, I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been on that guy for weeks or like that guy got drafted in my league early on. What are you talking about? How are these people sleepers? You know, it's kind of a relative term. And it sounds like what you're saying is people like a Chris Hogan or like a Jordan Matthews, you know, kind of just uh, become woke to more people. And it kind of also, it hurts us because, right, we have these kind of dynamics in the rough that we know we can get at value because the rest of the world aren't really on as much but now they're seeing the light of day because of these kind of uh you know either injuries or suspensions you were saying the same thing correct me if i'm wrong jake about mike williams over with the chargers right like you were kind of already on him and then with the hunter henry news then all of a sudden more people are like oh mike williams could be the beneficiary and you behind the scenes are like man Damn it, because, you know, uh, you had a chance to get him at value, and that chance is no longer there, right? Is is that what you're pretty much saying, Jake? Like, he's now kind of uh, on the radar more because of these other moves or injuries or suspensions? Oh, 100%. The thing is, is, let's turn it to everybody listening, too, and say it's not anything just like, oh, damn it, I got these guys that I was hot, and everybody's getting the value, you know, fortunately. No, the same thing is this is the argument for drafting early. There's definitely a downside for the – if you drafted already and you already drafted Hunter Henry, there's your downside. On the flip side, you are getting Chris Hogan in the eighth round. You're getting Jordan Matthews for free. You're getting Mike Williams. He was free. You you can get these kind of values. You can get the rookies that we're talking about from Darius Geis and Nick Chubb in the middle rounds and Rashad Penny not even getting to the second round. Like all these, as you get this is last year, the same thing. Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt, you were getting the fourth and fifth round. I know because I was doing the same thing around this time. 
August, they're going to the second round. So this is the argument for drafting early. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Remember, Jake, uh, you know, we did a little kind of way too early fantasy football draft on like, you know, just among uh, the hosts and stuff here on the Fantasy Sports Network. And I remember I was taking, I was taking Richard Penny, you know, uh, really early, you know, and now, you know, more people are on him. There's buzz about him being a three down back, you know, so I won't be able to, you know, I, people are not going to sleep on these sleepers as much. Jake, though, you mentioned Darius Geis, and I wanted to talk about him. You know, early on in rookie minicamp, Gruden was talking about how he was like an early down banger, right? And an in-between-the-tackles kind of guy. And we thought the roles would be set. You know, Chris Thompson, one of the best PPR kind of backs out there in the NFL as well, and that would be the composition of this running back room. Yesterday, though, we hear, um, you know, reports, quote-unquote, exciting to watch Darius Geis catch the football. Um, is there a growing chance that you could see Darius Geis as a three-down back, as this kind of uh, workhorse kind of back for the Washington football team, or is this just talk the same way everybody's talking in the month of June, Jake? Uh, neither, because it was never a growing chance. The fact is it was going to happen. This is another one, and that's why I really? threw that name in there. Yeah, well, that's the fact is. It's the talent. It's why I put his name in that conversation I was just having mm-hmm. is because the talent wins out. Darius Geis it was going to lead this backfield. Chris Thompson wasn't going away, but Darius Geis could easily catch 20 to 30 passes himself. 20 to 30 is a respectable number. 20 to 30 is Leonard Fournette from last year. And just like Leonard Fournette, I've been saying it this entire time, time, Darius Geis is a very similar, almost identical running back, everything down to injury concerns. The fact is, he's coming out of school that forgets that you can pass to the the running back because they haven't been right. doing it for years. And well, pass Darius at all at LSU. <laughs> Well, that in general is too, but even if you look at it, is people kind of overlook, you know, the fact of how many uh, t- running backs actually catch forty plus balls. It's not that many, not and especially many, right. once you get to the RB two level, it's especially not that many. Jordan Howard, even if you know, even increasing his ability this year, is not going to catch more than twenty to thirty. And so the same thing with Geis, Marshawn Lynch. You can go to Alex Collins. You can go down the list, and there's a lot of them. And then you talk about the thirty range, and there's a ton in the thirty range. From everybody like you know Penny to Joe Mixon to all the rest of them, but the fact is, Darius Geis is supremely talented. He should have never fallen that far just because he's a weird guy. And the Redskins got an amazing value, and that's why this entire time I've had Darius Geis as a fringe RB one. And this, so to answer your question, like I said, it's neither. It's not that he's growing into us. It's just the fact that this is what he was, and it's just people are getting the book on him now. Got you. So if Bavona had that uh, down there in the fantasy pit of misery, if he had that Denny Green, they are who we thought they were, kind of quote, it might apply because Jake is definitely high on Geis, seeing that three-down potential, even ahead of Jay Gruden. I do think, though, that... um, uh, Jake, you know, Chris, and you, you said this, but that Chris Thompson's not going anywhere in the passing game, right? He still will be, especially in PPR formats, a viable back as well. Am I, is, is that correct? Yes, but he's a three this year, not a two. That's because Darius Geis is going to make his touches more. He's going to fall. He's going to turn into theoretic, and that's the thing. Theoretic in PPR has more valuable weeks than not. But he's still going to be inconsistent, and there's going to be weeks where he doesn't do a whole lot for you. I mean, I can tell you right now, Chris Thompson, I only have for 800 change total yards with 50 receptions. So that's valuable, and that's basically, like I said, that's theoretic. It's just you have to understand the risk that it comes with every single week is you might get a few three- or four-point weeks. 
All right, fair enough. Uh, so, you know, there's Jake helping you set your expectations for the running backs for the Washington football team. Jake, you just, uh, in your last analysis, mentioned the guy Hold that on a I kind of... What was that? Hold on, Scott, Scott would get mad if I didn't say it, because the, all those projections and rankings are going to be part of the exclusive edge fantasy football. Oh, yes, they year. are. They absolutely are. And we're going to be, you know, turning the page to football. We're talking about our team by team. And if anybody beats us, and by us I mean Jake in Roto Cleo for the week, they can also get an exclusive edge football package. Way to promote no, no, yes, there, Jake. I know yes, what you're doing. Well, we had Mikolas, though. We had Mikolas, both of us, right? Oh, w. yeah, I forgot we both had Mikolas. We, we did that so last minute that I forgot. All right. Yeah, we both had Mikolas, and then I had Austin Meadows, who wasn't even in the starting lineup and went 0-for-1 as a pinch hitter. But I digress. <laughs> it's all good. I didn't have any time to late swap. I was driving. You know, I was driving from work, and I couldn't make it happen. But that's okay. Listen, the one guy that you mentioned in your last analysis that I wanted to touch on, was Jordan Howard, Jake. And here's why. The Bears are talking again. You know, Mitch Trubisky talking about how Kevin White has all this passion. You know, Nagy saying how much fun he's going to have with Tariq Cohen, right? Things of that nature. But my question for you is this. The Bears have made a lot of additions on offense. AR-15, Gabriel, Trey Burton. They still have Cohen. You know, when I look at this new, you know, this new fresh in vogue offense of the Bears, all four of those guys I just named, Robinson, Burton, Gabriel, Cohen, they're all, in my opinion, more dynamic than Jordan Howard. And when I see all this and I see the, the options that the Bears have now, I want to fade Jordan Howard. I think Jordan Howard is not going to get as much uh, of the kind of target share. He's not going to get as many of the carry. Oh, he's still might get carries. But the offense, I think, is evolving away from what Jordan Howard does most for this team. And I think they just have more options that are, quite frankly, more potential of being game breakers, more dynamic. So I'm going to fade Jordan Howard when we get to the Bears preview. Um, does that sound crazy to you, Jake? No, well, yes, but please do it in my leagues. I hope people continue to do this. I hope. <laughs> really, you like I hope Howard? We, why not? They, they, see, I just told the, you because they don't. No, they, now, AR fifteen no. is going to have to get the ball. Burton's going to have to get the ball. Nagy is enamored and apparently that, with Tariq Cohen. No, no. See, first of all, Nagy's already come out and said the same thing about Jordan Howard that he's excited to get him used more than he was last year. It's so June. He loves everybody. Exactly. Well, no, so that's the point. You can't make the argument that he loves one person that doesn't love the other. So that, just throw that out. The fact is, love Jordan or not, Howard, though, they sign out. Al- Al- can I, can I tell you why? Can, can I tell you why? I'll hit mute on my mic. Go ahead. So the fact is, Jordan Howard continues to get disrespect. The guy who just ran for 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. What more talent do you want? What more explosiveness do you want? 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. You know how many running backs did that last year? Four, uh, four besides him. So, so the fact is, Jordan Howard is not going away, and they're going to use more shotgun this year, which Jordan Howard averaged 5.8 and 7.2 yards per carry in the shotgun for the past two years. He's even better in the shotgun. People always assume that the pass-catching running back is the one who benefits, but it's a lot of times the standard first and second down running back, too. And the fact is, he still caught 23 balls despite being miserable, admittedly so, in the passing game on 
32 targets. He only had nine passes that he didn't catch. Probably all nine drops, but the fact is, you look at it, Tariq Cohen can be a part of this offense. They have a true number one in Allen Robinson. They have brought in Trey Burton. You're right. But there's plenty of teams out there that have multiple weapons. Look at Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt in a rookie season where he was barely being used the first couple weeks and was getting screwed around by Andy Reid had Travis Kelsey, the number one tight end, had a top five wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. Guess what? he was still fine. The fact is, is Jordan Howard is going to continue to be a value. You're going to keep giving me in the third round, Jordan Howard. I will win all of those leagues. Please do. All right. It sounds – oh, by the way, I'm sorry, Jake. Are you done? Because I don't want to interrupt. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Fantastic. You can Fantastic. always interrupt, but you can always interrupt. <laughs> Just stop adding to your argument while I haven't even rebuttaled on mine. All right, fair enough. I need to learn the laws and the rules of debating the all-in kid. I will say this, Jake. Listen, I, I, when we get to the Bears and Bavona, we got to put this on a spreadsheet somewhere. we got to track all of these things because I don't know. I'm definitely lower on Jordan Howard than Jake. Jake seems to be this is one of the hills Jake is going to die on this year. I mean, sure. I'm not saying the no. skills. For me, <laughs> I'm going to be living and waving the flag. The Bears. Um, fair enough. Well, we shall see. This has got to be something we keep tabs on because, you know, I, I just think by definition, I hear you. There are other teams, like you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Yes, Hunt leads the league in rushing, and they had other viable options in Hill and Kelsey and blah, blah, blah. I do think that's slightly different, Jake, than when you talk about with the same team year to year, right? And so year over year, when they involve to get other weapons there has to be a sacrifice somewhere personally i think it's jordan howard you clearly don't so we're gonna have to track jordan howard's gonna have to be one of the guys we talk about all year no, because, long because it, it can benefit everybody look at the rams last year they finally got weapons in the passing game and the, the multiple people had passing numbers that entire year jared goff finally broke out todd Gurley had his best season ever you can okay. benefit everybody. That's the fact is the passing game only helps the running game. It's not. It's, this isn't Drew Brees' Saints from two and three years ago where he's throwing for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns and the running backs barely get used. A, a decent passing game will always open up the running game. All right. Well, there's only one way to find out. There will be 16 games, and we'll be able to debate it some more here on Roto Experts in the morning. Yesterday, Jake, we talked about the Browns, and the Browns made a little bit of news yesterday. Uh, first of all, they signed Duke Johnson to a three-year, $15 million extension. Um, you know, we talked yesterday, Jake, about that kind of backfield in Cleveland and how I was a little bit higher on Hyde than you were, and you really like Nick Chubb this year. Duke Johnson will at least be in the fold for three more years at $15 million. And also, Jake, I don't know if you saw this, but Jarvis Landry was given some interviews and decided to say that, you know, the quarterbacks he's working with now in Cleveland, uh, you know, and Tyrod Taylor and even Baker Mayfield, were far better than the quarterback play he had in Miami, throwing a little bit of shade to Ryan Tannehill. Um, what do you think that is? Do you think that's just like spilled milk kind of thing, or is he just trying to hype up his current quarterbacks or throw shade at Tannehill? Why, why give comments like that to just become bulletin board material, Jake. I don't know. Where do you want to go on this? What do you think about this Jarvis Landry interview where he really kind of hypes up his current team and kind of throws shade at Ryan Tannehill? 
I think it's just not spilt milk. I just think he's happy to get away from it. And it's the similar. It's probably I'm surprised Alan Robinson hasn't said the same thing about Blake Bortles. This, this honestly, because, you know, we know the frustrations. Alan Robinson expressed it on the field. We saw him right. get angry with Blake Bortles. We saw the frustration. Jarvis Landry was putting up numbers, so it was masked to a degree. But he had to be frustrated playing for the Dolphins for the past couple of seasons. The quarterback play included the team, the winning, the on winning ways, I should say. The entire culture, he probably wanted to get the heck out of there. He's happy to be out of there. So, you know, I, I'm not surprised that Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield look better than Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill has had some promise, but he's definitely never really put it all together right. for any type of consistent stretch and then the injuries and his own play. So I think it's just being truthful. Again, you don't necessarily have to call out names. You could have just said this is some of the most fun or most productive or right. best play that have been a part of without doing it that way. But, you know, that's what athletes do sometimes. They like to, you know, talk smack. Fair enough. Sometimes if you don't have something nice to say, you don't say anything at all. My mama taught me. Nah, that is, sport, that is sports. <laughs> that's what we have to talk about. If, I mean, someone, just, if someone sticks a microphone in front of your face, though, you got to say something, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, I would never say something like, yo, this is the best show that I've ever had. But it's definitely better than when I was doing it with Greg. I, you know, like right, 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 right. No, I hear you, because then I'd be, on the, I'd be texting Greg, and I'd be texting Betty Riccardi or something, right? And being like, yo, did you hear what Jake Seeley had to say? Starting drama where we don't need it. Hey, Jake, real quick. We talked about Jordan and Howard. We got to put that up. We got to make a thing for this, okay? Right, just like how we do Roto Clio. We got to make a series of our like kind of gentlemen's bets where we bet the tacos or we bet props to each other, you know, something like that. Because yesterday when we were talking about Cleveland, we disagreed on the running back a little bit. We disagreed on the wide receivers a little bit. I asked the king, Scott Angle, today to kind of help me out because if we go on over to mybookie.ag, Jake, you can build the props builder. You know what I mean? And kind of basically create your own stakes. So here's the question I have for you, Jake. If you took Nick Chubb and Josh Gordon, and I take Carlos Hyde and Jarvis Landry in PPR formats, my question for you is like, how many fantasy points would you give me for it to be kind of an even bet? Like, it'd be your give side. You? My, yeah, your side give, minus 15 you, points you, or something like that. Are you like out that? of, no, are you out of your damn mind? Give Oh, it's you? only a straight up? This is only a straight up bet? So yesterday, you talk about how crazy I am to kind of think no. that this could be even, and then today, you won't give me any points? No, no, because the fact is you should be giving me points. Oh, I should be giving you points. But yesterday, it was out of control that I would even consider Ed, Hyde and, ex and Landry. Ex Exactly, but the point is, you can't just because of my opinion take that. Like you just don't go like, all right, let's look at tonight's games. Let's find okay, Justin Verlander against Doug Fister. You know, there's no way on earth Justin Verlander loses. So it's like, oh, well, I got you. Got to give me five more runs. No, it's my opinion. It'd be, so just because of that, Jarvis Landry is ranked higher than jo Josh Gordon in PPR. Your running back, everybody is ranked higher than the rookie who might not even play day one according to the team so far, and I disagree with that. So there's no way on earth that I should be giving you points. You should be giving me points. It just sounds, Jake, like you're not as confident as in your opinion as you were yesterday. No, you don't were really play that strong game. on this don't one, Jake. Play. Come on. Don't, don't but play now when it comes game. to put your money where I, your I, mouth no, no, is, no, no, you don't want to do it. No. No, we haven't been doing a show a long time. I'll let you know you talk about the things that will trigger. Don't do that. That will trigger me. Don't do what? What did I do? Lay it out explicitly so I know not to do put, it again. Put Jake. words in my mouth like that that like I'm backing off a stance because of what the truth is.
So what was it yesterday when I brought up when I brought up that I liked Hyde, that I thought he would hold up, uh, you know, the, the progress of Nick Chubb. And when we talked about Jarvis Landry and we talked about Josh Gordon yesterday, what then was your point? So I could be clear. What, because I thought you were telling me. I haven't me, changed my point. I haven't changed my point. They were out. So there are, they are the better options. Again, I'll do straight up and stuff like that. My point was you are taking the better people according to consensus. I'm saying consensus and you are wrong. You, I don't hmm. give you the points just because I'm holding to my opinion and it's stronger. Okay. I would just you say. Don't go, you don't go to Vegas and tell them to change their points because of your opinion. All right, fair enough. I will just say, Jake, when we were talking about it yesterday, it did not seem like you were representing that my point or my side of it was the consensus. It sounded like yesterday, to me, it sounded like you thought it wasn't the consensus, that what I was saying was kind of, uh, you know, an, uh, off the beaten path, and that what you were saying was the, the kind of more the consensus. It sounded to no, me now, now you're, like the Now you're assuming one. and reading into things. I'm asking. Yes, that's why I'm asking. That's why I thought. That's why I thought that it would be an interesting kind of uh, matchup, shall we say? Because I felt my feelings, Jake, that uh, you know that you were saying that this was way out of the norm. What I was saying. Okay. So let's do it straight up then, because I still think this is going to be an interesting thing for us to follow all year. Are you willing to do it straight up then, Jake? Because I'm that confident, but again, to my point, is <laughs> right, right. so it's about the confidence here. You're taking the better players, according to everybody. Okay, well, uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's make it a gentleman's bet and find out. Jake, we were, in fact, talking about the AFC um, North all week long. We all agree that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to kind of win this division. What I think is interesting, and I want to get your thought on, is, listen, NFL Rookie of the Year. You know, there's some options here in the AFC North. You got Baker Mayfield at plus 650. You got a guy like Lamar Jackson at plus 2,000. What do you? What's your take uh, on this Rookie of the Year idea? Because I know you like even a guy like um, you know Rosen in Arizona, Allen in Buffalo. Things Darnold. You, you think a lot of these guys are going to start right off the bat? Do you think Mayfield or Lamar Jackson have a decent shot at a uh, Rookie of the Year with some of these odds we see over on MyBookie.ag? No. Nobody has any odds. This is they should just be who doesn't get it outside of Barkley. There's there's no other odds. Okay, so you think it's 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 Saquon Barkley's obviously to lose. You know, only if there was an injury or something like that. Saquon Barkley is at plus one twenty. He is the favorite, and you think it's warranted. He should be the runaway favorite for uh, for rookie of the year. Um, yeah, I would put. I would surprise. He's not even money versus the rest of the field. Yeah, he's at plus 120 right now. Let me also ask you, we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think? Do you, do you think the Steelers are viable in kind of bets for the AFC Championship, or do you think this is New England, like you would only bet New England for that kind of bet? The Steelers right now are plus 380 over at mybookie.ag, so we're talking about a 3-to-1 odds there. Do you find any value in that for the Steelers to win the conference? I mean, there's a little bit, but, yeah, obviously it would be Patriots and then everybody else, but this might be the – most vulnerable the Patriots have been since, right. I'd say, 2009, which was the last time they didn't win 12 games because we talked about that the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd, I'd say they're the most vulnerable since then. So it's it's interesting. I mean, if you're not going to vote for the Patriots, who or, or vote, I should just say bet, bet. So if you're not going to bet for them, 
who are you going to bet on? It would probably be the Steelers and the Jaguars. I honestly, my second favorite would be the Chargers. I also, yes, and you know that we share this, Jake. I, we've talked about how high I am on the Los Angeles Chargers. I do believe they got an interesting shot this year as well. I like that as a sleeper team. When we pray for, profile the AFC West, we'll definitely get into that. Hey, Jake, one more piece of news before we go on into break here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I know, you know, how we've talked about things like the Anthem and White House visits, how you're a fan of um, tradition and procedure and routine. Well, we're not talking about that, Jake, but Terrell Owens has decided that he is going to eschew tradition here and he is going to not attend his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. You know, he comes out and says he'll be celebrating with his family and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But, uh, to me, Jake, this kind of just adds to the narrative of T.O. being kind of a malcontent and bad with the press and difficult to work with. Why would he take this tack? What do you think about T.O. not going to his, his own ceremony? This is people – this is America being America, and everybody's doing tit for tat and trying to win. It's just it, – this is – I compared it yesterday. We were talking about the frenzy, and I compared it to, honestly, the front office of the United States. And the, you know what I'm talking about there. Mm -hmm. The fact is, is everybody always wants to be, ha-ha, I win, I told you so. It's, and the fact is, both people are wrong. It, again, like, the, the Hall of Fame should have never – not voted him in the first time. That that was egregious right. to begin with, let alone after that. So T.O.'s bitter. So now he wants to be like, ha-ha, screw you, I'm not showing up. And then they're going to be like, well, we don't want you here anyway. And they're like, so it's just the back and forth, and it's the old saying. The middle school feel, that, right, Jake? Like you were saying before, well, I was going to say is like you. Well, yeah, exactly. But it's the same thing as what's going on with the White House and football teams and stuff like that, and then the NFL, like, and every sport. And that's just not that. It's just a good comparison right now. I, just think, what, I don't know what the exact saying is, but it's basically you throw enough crap around, everybody has it on them. And that's just what it is. Everybody looks bad. Everybody looks like idiots. Just suck it up and be a freaking man these days. Or not even a man, a woman. or Just be a human these days, and you don't have to be, like, spiteful in everything you do. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think it is kind of like a uh, passive-aggressive on Terrell Owens' part. And to be quite honest, the way I think about it, you know, this is not only for you, you know, going in. When you see kind of at the, the induction ceremonies and the fields are littered with all these fans, this would have been an opportunity for fans of, you know, 49ers and all the teams that he was on to be able to kind of, you know, celebrate him and honor him, and he's taking that away. I think it's a bad look for Terrell Owens. When we come back, though, Jake, we'll have Gabe Morency talking a little bit about the Belmont Stakes, and we got to get into Roto Clio as well. Roto experts in the morning.